Let's look in our Bible to the book of 1 Peter to chapter 3. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 3, and I'd like for us to read verses 14 through verse 18 as we look at the suffering of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I begin reading in verse 14. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Lord willing, we'll use verse 18 as the basis of our message this afternoon. But before we look at this, I want to mention that the book of 1 Peter deals with suffering. It deals with the suffering of saints and the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These two are found in the book of 1 Peter. I'll also mention that 2 Peter seems to deal with the second coming of Christ, but here we have the suffering of Christ along with the suffering of the saints. Notice the sufferings of the saints, if you would. Look in chapter 2. Let's read verse 19 and 20. Peter did write, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. In chapter 3 and in verse 14, where we read a moment ago, but if it, if, but and and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well doing, than for evil doing. I'm going to go to chapter 4 and verse 15 and verse 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed 
Let him glorify God on this behalf. Look at verse 19 of the same chapter. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And also in chapter 5 and in verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So he does write about the sufferings of the saints. But the sufferings of Christ, I'm going to chapter 1. In chapter 1 and in verse 11, it says, Searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. As we read these about the sufferings of Christ, I want you to notice the plural sufferings of Christ. In 1 Peter 2 and in verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. As you read this, again, the sufferings of Christ are, are very important teaching in the book of First Peter. Chapter 4 and in verse 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And in chapter 5 again, and in verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed. I'm going back to chapter 3, and I want to read verse 14 through verse 17 once again. In verse 14, as he's writing to the saints of God, but it, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil. As he writes this to the saints, Verse 18 immediately follows that. And he says, For or because Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, 
being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We endure many sufferings as we live here upon this earth. All of us are acquainted with sufferings, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or whatever it may be. And there are times, as verse 14 does state, that we even suffer for righteousness' sake. And there's much to be considered in this. But again, we have verse 18 as a reminder for us, even in our sufferings, that Christ also once suffered. We're not the only ones who suffer. Christ also hath once suffered. Throughout the New Testament, we and also in the Old, we read of the sufferings, plural, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly there are many, many different sufferings, many types of sufferings, many occasions of the sufferings, plural, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we come to verse 18, our text, Peter, by the Holy Spirit of God, seems to just sum up all of Christ's sufferings into the singular. You'll notice it is in the singular in verse 18, where it says, Christ also has once suffered for sins. He's not speaking about the many individual sufferings, but he seems to just bring the entirety of the sufferings, plural, of Christ into this one phrase, Christ hath once suffered. Christ hath once suffered. And you'll notice when you read verse 18, and this just stood out to me, and again, it just points out divine inspiration. When Peter did write this, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, do you notice he gives no details? He does not give any details here of the suffering of Christ. He just simply states, Christ also hath once suffered, hath once suffered for sin. Someone might ask on that, when did Christ suffer? What's he talking about? When did Christ suffer? And I would answer that, and it's incorrect to do so, I suppose, but I would answer that question with another question. When did Christ not suffer? When did Christ not suffer? We're told in the Bible that he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected of men. All of us know those words. We've read them many times. We've heard many Bible lessons and sermons on those words. But have you ever just stopped and thought about those words? Words which describe Jesus Christ. A man of sorrows. From birth to death, a man of sorrows. If you wanted to speak of the man Christ Jesus, 
You could not rightly speak of him without in some manner or the other referring to him as a man of sorrow. That's just a biblical designation for Jesus Christ. He was a man acquainted with grief. Jesus, while he was here, had many acquaintances, and we find them throughout the New Testament. But one constant acquaintance and companion with the Lord Jesus Christ was the many sorrows and grief. He was acquainted with grief. We could say he was well acquainted with grief. He knew what grief really was, even more than you and I do. And we're told again, he was despised and rejected of men. And again, have you ever just stopped and thought about that? Can you imagine living your life as Jesus did? And everywhere you went, you were despised and rejected. All of your life, people despised you, hated you, and rejected you. I cannot imagine such a life as Jesus did live. A man of sorrows, one acquainted with grief as his constant acquaintance, and then constantly despised and rejected of men. Despised for no reason other than sinful depravity. Hold your place here. I'm going to go to the book of Psalm just a moment. In Psalm 129, in Psalm 129, and here I want to read verse 2 and verse 3. In Psalm 129, well I'll begin in verse 1. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. May Israel now say, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long, long their furrows. It's interesting to me to just notice the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that even without a cause. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 18, I'll, I'll point out again, Peter gives no details here about the sufferings, but that would have just filled a book by itself. He gives no details of the how he suffered. He gives no details about the what he suffered. But we do know that he suffered. And we do know that he suffered many times and it was all willingly suffering. I'm going to go back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. In Isaiah and in chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. And I want you to just notice the willingness of Jesus to suffer. 
the willingness of Jesus to suffer. Isaiah 50, verse 5 and verse 6. He said, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned back away. Just consider that. I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Can you see the willingness here? He was not rebellious. When the suffering did come, he knew it was the will of God, and he was not rebellious to the will of God. He did not turn his back away. He did not try to avoid that. In verse 6 he said, I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I didn't hide my face from shame and spitting. Then notice verse 7. For the Lord God will help me Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a friend. And I know I shall not be ashamed. When the appointed time came for Jesus to suffer at Jerusalem in his prior to his death, leading up to his death, and in his death, here in prophecy, he does speak, I have I set my face like a flint. That just shows the determination of Jesus Christ to willingly suffer. To willingly suffer. Compare that, if you would, to the book of Luke in chapter 9. Luke, and in chapter 9, Keep in mind, he said he set his face like a flint. I mean, that's hard determination. In Luke chapter 9 and in verse 51, And it came to pass when the time was come, when the time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was not going to be deterred. Again, voluntarily, willingly suffer. Even his disciples would tell him, don't go up to Jerusalem, they're going to try to kill you. He said, I must needs go. I'll use the words that he, he said to Pilate in John 18 and in verse 37 he told Pilate to this end was I born and for this cause came I into the world. I mean that's why he was here. Remember he said the cup which my father hath given me shall I not drink it? When it came to the sufferings of Christ he never complained. He never resisted. He willingly did, uh, did face it. Back in 1 Peter and in chapter 2. 1 Peter and in chapter, chapter 2. I want you to notice this about the Lord. 
I said there was no complaints. Isaiah said he'd be like a lamb and would not open his mouth. He never opened his mouth in vengeance, speaking evil of those who were inflicting the sufferings. He just suffered. He just suffered. Peter did right in 1 Peter 2 and in verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. He spoke no words of anger. He did not open his mouth in, in, in reviling his persecutors and those who were afflicted him. What did he do? He suffered. He willingly, voluntarily suffered. When he was oppressed and afflicted, he suffered. When they blindfolded Jesus and slapped his face and then mockingly asked him, who was it that did strike you and things like that, what did he do? He suffered. He suffered. When they scourged his body beyond recognition, what did he do? He just suffered. He did not revile again. He just suffered. When they drove the nails and they pierced his hands and his feet, what did he do? He suffered. That's what Peter's telling us in our text. He just suffered. When he did hang there between heaven and earth, he suffered. Most of the time in our sufferings, there's something that might give us a little relief. Whether it's medication or, or what it is, there's usually something available to us that will give us a little bit of, of relief. It might just be the presence of a loved one there to comfort us in our sufferings. But when Jesus suffered, he must suffer alone. I'm going to go to Psalm 22. And you'll remember that Psalm 22 gives a graphic detail of the sufferings and death of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22... I'm just going to take up the reading in verse 6 and read through verse 11. Psalm 22, 6, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. There is none to help. When it came to the suffering of Jesus Christ, there was none to help. 
His disciples forsook him and fled. There was no comfort at all. In his greatest time of suffering, the Father himself forsook him. And there he did hang in the darkness for three hours between heaven and earth, suffering and none to help. No relief, no comfort. He just simply suffered. In our text in 1 Peter, there are many things about the suffering of Christ we'll never know. We'll never know the depth and the extent of his, his suffering. But there are some things that we do know. We do know the why of his suffering. We know the why. In our text in 1 Peter, we're told that Christ hath once suffered for sins. Christ hath once suffered for sins. And not one of these his own. Again, you and I will never know the enormity of sin, nor will we ever know the full consequences of sin. Our best view and our best knowledge of the enormity of sin is in our text. Look to Jesus and see that Christ once suffered. And He once suffered for sin. Our text is, is graphic in many different ways. Christ hath once suffered for sins. And you'll notice that it says, He hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. I mentioned this morning the importance of the definite article. The just. The just. Christ suffered. How did he suffer? As the just. Hold your place again. Look at Acts chapter 22. Acts in chapter 22. Here I'll read verse 14. Acts chapter 22 and in verse 14. And he said, The God of our Fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one. The just for the unjust. Here it is that just one. That just one. I go to the book of First John. In the book of First John and in chapter 2, 1 John and in chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Well, who is that? Note who it is. Jesus Christ, what? The righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous. In verse 2 of the same chapter, He is the propitiation for our sins. Again, you cannot avoid in Scripture, if you stay with it honestly, the doctrine of substitution. 
the just one, the righteous one, suffered for the unjust ones, the unrighteous ones. And I go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I point this out in verse 18. Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Again, we know there was many sufferings of Christ, but I want you to notice this most important word, once. Once. Again, here in this verse, it's just put all together. Once. You know, there are many stories Many fairy tales of men that began with the words once upon a time. Well, that's not true in this case. This is not once upon a time. It is once for all time. Once for all time and eternity, Christ has suffered for sins. It will never, never take place again. Once suffered for sins. Hebrews in chapter 7. Hebrews and in chapter 7, reading verse 26 and verse 27. Hebrews 7, verse 26. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Now, just once. Once. Chapter 9 of Hebrews and in verse, verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That's important. That is important Bible doctrine once. Hebrews 10 and in verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of, body, of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, meaning once for all time. Once for all time. I mentioned to you years ago that I once heard a preacher who you all know tempted to call the name but I won't but a preacher, a Baptist preacher that you all know I heard him say that Christ suffered and died twice. One of the most alarming statements I guess I've ever heard from the mouth of a Baptist preacher. He was simply expressing his own ignorance of God's Word. But that's what he was preaching to his home church. And I thought that is amazing to preach that one sacrifice of Christ was not enough. One death of Christ was not enough. Where the scripture says, once, once, once. And that's important. Back in our text again, 
I'm going to close just by summing this up just a little bit. The purpose of Christ's once suffering for sin. You might ask, why did he suffer? And it's a good question, and there's, there's many biblical answers. But again, it's just summed up in our text. And it's stated so clearly, you would have to intentionally not understand it. You'd have to intentionally say you don't know why he once suffered. Because it's so plainly stated here. The purpose is that he might bring us to God. Why did he suffer? That he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. I won't go back to Isaiah again, but you're familiar. He cannot be disappointed and he cannot be discouraged. He cannot fail. If this is his purpose, it must be accomplished. When he died, the just for the unjust. He did it that he might bring us to God. And I guess I could just spend a lot of time on that little word, us, who is involved there. But I can tell you, it's everyone for whom he suffered. That he might bring us to God. Acts chapter 17 and in verse 3. Acts in chapter 17 and in verse 3. As Paul, as it says in verse 2, as his manner was, he was reasoning, you might say debating, arguing, giving facts out of the scripture, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered. The necessity of the suffering of Christ. What an awful consequence it would be if Christ had not once suffered for sins. If Christ had not once suffered for sins, you and I would have remained eternally separated from God. Let me read this in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians and in chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians 2 and in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off. Well, there's a distance there that no one can measure. Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You can note verse 18. For through him we both have access, Jew and Gentile. We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Again, if you'll note verse 13. You who were far off were made nigh. That's something that no one can do for themselves. This is based upon the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are brought to Christ, 
is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. By nature separated from God. The purpose of Christ's suffering, again, 1 Peter 3.18, that He might bring us to God. Christ hath once suffered for sin. Let's stop and let's just stand and have a word of prayer. And our Father, we are so thankful that Jesus did come, willingly suffered and died for us. We're thankful that the purpose of His suffering is still being fulfilled. He's still bringing us to God. All over this world, people are being brought to God because that once suffering of your Son, Jesus Christ. How thankful we are for what He has done. How thankful we are that what He did is still effectual today. And it's in His name that I pray. Amen.